to come up in front of them. So if you're starting school this week, not in kindergarten, but just you're beginning the school year, come on up in front of them. Or, or next the 30th. Or, or that's true for our Shakur students. Come on up in front. And then, Ryan, you're good? You're going to? Okay. Um, Ryan's going to be praying um, for the kids. And then Linda's going to pray for the, stu- the staff of our schools uh, and, and as well, because we're representing Jesus at our schools. There's, there's actually a group of, uh, I know at the high school, of Christian uh, teachers and, and staff people who are meeting you know, once a week for a devotion and prayer together. And then any parents who want to come up and put their hands on their back or their heads, then come on up, parents, and we'll let you... No, not that way. <laughs> Coming up and put your... So you go, parents come behind them there, and then uh, uh, we'll have um, Linda pray, and then Ryan will pray, and then I'll close us up. So let's send them off this year as they start the school year. Go ahead, Linda. Mm-hmm. We know that you're with all of them. And I ask you to be with all the staff, the teachers, the administrators, uh, bus drivers. Mm-hmm. You can't even mm-hmm. name them all. There's mm-hmm. so many. But so many people come together to give our students the very best education and experience. And we're grateful. Lord God, who knows what this school year will bring. Yet for those of us who are representing you, not just in our jobs and our schools, but every single moment of every day, every breath, every heartbeat, Lord, that we would, we would be mindful that we are your ambassador, that you've called us to make disciples. God, I pray for uh, uh, the, the official parents and grandparents of, of all of our students that you would Help us to, to teach them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, for those of us who are kind of their adopted parents and grandparents, 
uh, and their teachers, Lord, for this opportunity to, to have a chance to speak into lives as they are learning all their subjects and, and doing homework and all those things, Lord, we pray for an opportunity for your kingdom to be made known and pronounced to them. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you very much. Congratulations on another school year starting. Hey, do you know what an, you, you all know what an anchor is for, right? Okay, if you have, you have a boat or a ship, and largely what they, what they do is they keep the boat from drifting uh, away. So it's not going to you know, bump into another boat or, or just all of a sudden be way out to sea. But it's going to place it, keep it in one spot to keep it from drifting. And there's, it, it's similar to what we do in a way, only kind of a, in a, a bit of a reflective way, of taking a bearing. If you've ever been on a hike, we took a, a, a little mountaineering course, and, and you know, you got to make sure you're always going, you know, in your direction according to your bearing that you set on your compass. Otherwise, you'll get what? Lost. Uh, and if you go do a lot of hiking, as, as Trish and I do, uh, state parks, national parks, uh, they've developed a system called blazes, and all that really is is someone went along and put paint marks on all you know trees or rocks or posts or something, so that you could see where you're at. And we've been on places. I know, like in, in we were in Shenandoah, when, uh, especially one time when my daughter Jess and I were doing a, a, a big week of hiking. Uh, we, we would just be walking along, and especially when you start getting tired and you're not, you know, you're just hoping you don't trip over a root, so you're kind of looking down, and, and all of a sudden you look up and says, when's the last time we saw a blaze? Uh, are we still on the trail, uh, or did we, or have we kind of wandered off? Did we wander off onto a deer trail or something? And then you start looking around. Oh, there's, there it is. Yeah, we are off the trail. Let's get back reoriented so we don't get lost. Because there's nothing worse than being lost after you've hiked for 10 miles. You don't, <laughs> it's not a fun time for that. And so what we're, why am I bringing this up? Because we're going to look at a anchor today, an anchor of our faith, and it is the Word of God. We're looking at the blaze of when individuals or churches need to take a bearing and say, are we on track? God has given us something very special, the living Word of God. And it is, it is um, the, the bulwark and really the foundation of what we know about Jesus, what we know about church doctrine, about belief in God's plan. It's what we know about what's going to happen as we are anticipating the return of Jesus himself. And so remember, Paul is writing to Timothy as a shepherd, or you call him a pastor, or an elder of this church in Ephesus. So his instructions are largely applied to, to again, shepherds and leaders, but as we saw last week when we looked at like the qualifications of the elders, it doesn't mean that everyone else is exempt from those. It's the same thing here. Just because someone's not a shepherd or a leader doesn't mean they should ignore the word of God. The sheep, the sheep need to hear uh, and evaluate what they are hearing. And I did something, it was a little sneaky, uh, several years ago. Uh, in fact, it was about 25 years ago as I think about it. I was asked 
at the church we were involved with to uh, preach for their Sunday night gatherings. This church had a Sunday night gathering. And I did that. And one of them was about uh, false doctrine and deceptions. And so I, I purposely, from the start of the message, spoke heresy. I mean, it was just kind of this, this humanistic philosophy, and people were nodding and, and in agreement, and I could tell they were engaged, but it was all a lie. And, and right at then, I said, now, I need everyone's attention. If you're checked out, I need you to check in, because the first five minutes of what I said was a lie, and none of you said a thing, and, and kind of Ooh, it was a little ouchy at the time, but it's easy for us to just accept things at face value and not be comparing them to our anchor, to the Word of God. We could easily get off track. So we're going to look at all of chapter 4 today and look at, again, as we're flying over pretty high, uh, the first, first Timothy chapter 4, but it's largely about the Word of God. He repeats it over and over again. So let's dive in. 1 Timothy chapter 4, first six verses. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Wow, that's, that's pretty bad. Uh, and so Paul's writing that to Timothy for them now. It's even, I think, more true today. Uh, going on through the insincerity, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of faith, of the faith and of the good doctrine which you have followed. So right, right from the start, we notice that the Spirit of God uh, and the Word of God work together. They're very often in coordinating. If someone says, I heard a word from the Spirit, I want to make sure it's matching the Word of God itself. But what happens if we leave our anchor or we, we're not checking and reorienting and taking a bearing. Paul's very clear. I mean, these are hard words. People will stray into doctrines of demons. And those are awful beings. I mean, they are, they are evil. They are probably nothing like we see in movies. But just devoted to oppose God and his work and his church these things often sound alluring and attractive, just like I did to that one church. It sounded right in our ears. We, we hear things from when we are born about what is true, but these teachings lead to a seared conscience. The Word of God, though, produces a sensitive conscience where we hear a teaching or or. or uh, or read a book, and, and we start to think, hmm, how does that relate to the Word of God? We used to do this as a family when we would be traveling, and maybe we're hearing a message or a talk radio thing or a song, and we'd say, how does that compare to what the Bible says? And we'd start to evaluate it that way. And so it is, a, it is indeed that anchor. But these people, these false teachers, are distorting what other people say. 
Uh, Paul then goes on about some specific things that were happening there. It sounds like there were some individuals who were saying, you shouldn't get married. It sounds like there were people that were forbidding to eat certain foods, whether that was following Old Testament Jewish law and so forth. He's not real specific. But I think we could at least be general, general enough to say that these individuals were going into something we would call legalism or rule following. And it says, this is how you grow in Christ. You abstain from this and from that, and you follow these rules, and you will get to know God. But Paul corrects all that. He says, marriage and food are fine. Uh, and we, we have these same kind of issues. Now, when I was a young believer in Christ, uh, in high school, there was a big issue going on regarding contemporary Christian music, or what we called it then Christian rock. And I went to a youth, uh, I guess we would call it a seminar, but we went Monday through Friday for a whole week for about two hours. And then it was a drive. We would leave at 5, and we would come home like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night for a whole week. And I got to tell you, it was excellent. I learned a lot there, and so did my, my fellow believers. And the, one of the reasons why it was so good is because they based really on the scriptures, except when it came to music. And the leader, the, the, the gentleman who was teaching, told a story about a missionary who went to Africa, and his kids were playing rock music, and the... And the, the the, the native people of whatever African country it was says, oh, that's the same beat we use to conjure up demons. Now, who knows if that really happened? But that was the basis for why we couldn't listen to rock music. Because of this story. It's subtle, isn't it? And we would, you know, I went home, I went home and I put an ax through all my vinyl is now gone. I didn't listen to the radio, to music on the radio for most of the 80s. And then one day it hit me, well, now I missed out on Journey. <laughs> but besides that, it hit me. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was all based on a story that may or may not have happened. And it was also, it was a, during a time, and, and this was uh, when contemporary Christian music was really starting to rise. You may have heard of Amy Grant, Keith Green, um, uh, Randy Stonehill, and then bands like Petra and Sweet Comfort Band. Who remembers those? Oh, they're awesome. They're great stuff. But, uh, and so we, uh, we were wrestling through that. But it was all based on this story. Do you see how subtle? These things can kick in. It's so, and, and it was unfortunate because, again, the rest of that time, the rest of that Monday through Friday was wonderful. Today, I think we deal with issues of prosperity gospel, and it's very, very subtle. And in fact, I was just talking with someone about a week ago about they were, they were finding themselves frustrating with God because they felt that God somehow owed them to be blessed. And really, God doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> if anything, it's the other way around. But, but they confessed to me. They said, I think it's because I've kind of adopted this idea that he has to bless me. 
And, he, and that's kind of the core of prosperity gospel. If you follow a list of rules, then you're going to be rich and wealthy and healthy and all those things. Um, that I see a lot, and there's probably others. Uh, and even, and fortunately this is dying off, but uh, Zion fell into it a little bit thing. is something called the church growth movement. And there was, again, there was really good stuff, really important things to come out of that, trying to get churches back to to biblical uh, formats and, and governance and so forth. And, and we've changed things as our church to match scriptures. But a lot of the things, too, that came in that, uh, the, a lot of the seminars, I, I attended them. We were there. We were taking notes. A lot of these things, they weren't necessarily evil, but they were really based more on marketing rather than on the scriptures. And so, we've, again, we've been, in, we've been thinking about it for a while and saying, we... We did X, Y, and Z because that was the cool thing to do. That was, that was to bring people to fill your churches, your buildings in. It wasn't based on the scriptures. So they could be, my point is with all this, they could be very, very subtle. Uh, what does the word say about, about how a church should be, what it should focus on? It's not so much what a culture or a, a so-called expert might believe. Um, so that's, that is the, the focus of preaching the word, focusing on the word. But now Paul's going to turn the corner here and talk about practicing the word. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 7. So after telling him about the false teachers, he says, "...have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, which is our life." For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds a promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. Command, Timothy, and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set uh, the believers as an example of speech and conduct and love and faith. So he's saying now, Timothy, live this way, not just hold to what is true, but live according to what is true. The goal is godliness. What's that? Godliness is a kind of a churchy word, isn't it? We don't use it outside church much. To be godly is to be like God in his character. What are, what are his characteristics and to be like him? Not that we're going to become, you know, uh, uh, all-powerful or anything like that, but in terms of his character, that's godliness. And Paul uses this example real quickly here of, of physical training versus godliness training. Um, I, I, I remember once uh, working with a group of sixth graders coaching them in baseball, and a, a bunch of them came up. It was like early on in the, in the season. Came up and I said, all right. And I was the assistant. I wasn't the actual coach. They said, hey, guys, we need to, you know, start, start uh, doing some long throws. We're going to take some ground balls. We're going to practice. And these little sixth graders looked at me and said, we don't need to practice. I said, really? Well, the pros practice and says, no, no, we, we, we got all that. We've been playing baseball since we were little. Again, these are sixth graders. Oh, hey, coach, these guys said they don't need to practice. And all of a sudden, they needed to practice. 
because again, you, you think the, the pro athletes are the ones that practice the most, right? They've devoted their lives to this. They do all the training. They do all the weightlifting behind there. There's, there's, they're developing muscle memory. And in, when someone practices something of hitting a ball with a bat or catching a football or shooting a free throw, they're trying to develop that muscle memory. When, as I've been taking drum lessons, um, I've, I, I've, I've developed muscle memory so I could just play what my teacher's trying to teach me. Sometimes I make mistakes and I learn the incorrect way. And now all of a sudden I have to unlearn. I have to take a fresh bearing and get back on the pattern she wants me to, to play. And Paul's saying, look, you, we have to have that kind of life, not for just physical training, but for godliness. In other words, don't ever say to God, I don't need to practice. He'll say, oh, really? Yeah, you do. We all do. Everyone does. Needs to practice godliness. And Paul reminds Timothy to practice the word uh, as well. And then he goes on about progressing in the word. So we practice and then we progress. First Timothy chapter 4, in verse 13, he says, Until I come, devote yourselves to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. You know, there are some churches that say, you know, preaching, teaching is not relevant anymore. Really? Okay, well, Paul, it was relevant for Paul. And yeah, that was 2,000 years ago. But here is something they had to make sure they kept doing. Do not neglect the gift you, Timothy, have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Progressing in the word. Keep a watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Uh, practice and progress in the, in the spiritual disciplines. Reading scriptures. That's maturity. You could do that slowly or quickly. If you're, if you're someone who's started a, a, a system or a program where you say you're going to read the Bible through in a year, you could do it. It's possible. That is great. But you could also say, I'm going to study just this one chapter or, or this one ten verses of, of one of Paul's letters, and, and I'm going to really dig into that for, I don't know, maybe six months or so. That's great too. Or anything in the middle. The important thing is, is to be devoted to the word, keeping your heart and mind in it. To be, to, um, again, another, another Bible word here, exhort, be able to exhort, to put into practice how it looks to others. What, what does that word exhort mean? Uh, well, first of all, it's, it's a function of the church and people in the church. Because as we're pouring our hearts and lives into the word, we're able to help others. Maybe they're going through a certain situation and you think, oh, you know what? I just read and you're able to help them and encourage them. Maybe they see something in your life and you think, what is going on with you? How do, why do you respond this way or that way when everyone else is freaking out? Oh, it's because I've been studying this passage in the Word of God. And you're able to exhort others to encourage them as well. Along with that goes 
teaching. And we're all called to make disciples. The Great Commission, go into all the world and, and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Every believer is supposed to be doing that. We're called, we're called to specifically do that for our kids and encourage one another. The, the other thing that goes with that in terms of teaching is developing kind of that mental file cabinet. You know, when I was a young believer, I was really embarrassed because I knew nothing about the Bible. Um, I, knew, I knew how to look up a verse, and that was it. And I also, I mean, I, I've talked to other, other believers, they don't even know how to do that. And they're a little embarrassed by that. I didn't know the Bible book order. Like if someone said the book of Matthew, it's like, where, where's that? So I'd have to look at the table of contents and, and be able to find it. But, uh, and I remember telling this to one of my mentor parent families, and she was so sweet. She goes, Joe, don't worry about it. You'll get it. You'll build it. And the dirty little secret is I still don't, I still couldn't tell you the order of the minor prophets. You know, it's just, just vague to me. But I do know where the Psalms are now and so forth and, and where even Philemon. I know where Philemon is, do you? But the point is, is, is over time you kind of develop that mental file cabinet. Let that develop. Start building that mental database by in progressing in the word that way. All right. So you don't answer out loud, but how much are you spending in the scripture on a daily basis? Remember, it's the anchor. It is checking the blaze. It is checking the bearing on which your life is going to be. It's not a lucky charm. And I've heard believers talk about, well, I'm having such a bad day. Oh, I know why. It's because I didn't spend time in the Word. It's, it's not a lucky... You, you won't have good luck that day if you spend time in the Word. You may. You may not. It, it, it doesn't affect that. Don't, if, you, if you're thinking that way, that's one of those doctrines we shouldn't follow. Okay. Um, but it has its other purposes, that we grow in godliness, that we're becoming more and more conformed to Christ. I want to encourage you, if you're not, to start. To start doing that. And we say, well, I don't have time. It's like, well, then, then something needs to go quite frankly. How much time are you spending on your phone? How much time are you spending on entertainment? That, that time in the Word is going to, is going to help increase godliness in your life. If you don't know where to start, again, it's, take a, it's a big book. If you don't know where to start, let me give you a few suggestions. Start with the Gospels. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Even a chapter a day is a great idea of re- getting that bearing again for your life and for your, even for that day. Uh, uh, if you like poetry or you like the idea of worship, then start in the Psalms. I've been working my way through the Psalms. I haven't hit Psalm 119 yet, and it's really long. So I'm going to be, I'll be stuck there for a little, not stuck, but I'll be there for a little bit. Uh, as, as I kind of work my way through prayer and study of those. Um, I've, used, I've used the example before of, of the book of Proverbs. As there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Well, most months have 
31 days. Today is the 20th, so today you would read Proverbs chapter 20. Uh, and there are, again, mentioned, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, just Google that. You will get 12,728 schedules that you could pick from. There's some that are longer, some that are shorter, uh, some that you could read through the Bible twice in a year or whatever. So, but, but when people do that, very often they get discouraged because maybe they got sick. Maybe they just were, you know, things were crazy at work and they, you know, they left at six in the morning and they didn't get home till eight, nine o'clock at night and they're just exhausted. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so far behind, I'll never catch up. I'm going to give you permission. If you're doing that Proverbs thing, you know, according to the day, and you missed five days, just start where you should be. Just, you'll pick it up. Like if you do it every month, you're going to pick it up again. It's okay. It's better, much better to do that than stop altogether. If you haven't read your chapter in the Gospels for two weeks, pick up where you left off. It's okay. Uh, again, much better to pick it up again. Uh, and that's how we, again, become godly, more like God, is anchoring to that word. Um, you, you will build that file cabinet, that mental file cabinet, as you learn more and more about Christ. Also, as Paul said here, we have to watch out for any uh, false doctrine that is going to come our way. If it came in Paul's day, it's certainly in our era, in our um, lifetime. And the Word of God helps us to be discerning. What's that old example from, from bankers where when they, they teach a banker how to identify counterfeit money, not by showing them counterfeit money, but handling real money, handling the real truth. And then when they see a phony one, it stands out. See, in the same way, when we are studying the true word of God, when something phony comes up, we go, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Is that true? Uh, no one, on one hand, is 100% accurate in their teaching. Local teachers, myself, uh, uh, national Christian leaders, no one's ever 100%. We're going to make mistakes. All right? That's on one hand. But on the other hand, we have to be um, asking ourselves, have, have they strayed? Have they, have they gone off the, the track too much? Uh, I've gotten to the point when it comes to a book or a, um, a, a curriculum, even the stuff we use for our kids, is I, I read it first. Because if I'm going to recommend something to someone, I want to make sure I know what's in it. And it's just gotten to that point where there's just so much stuff out there that we don't know where it's from, even from people that we trust. It used to be there were, there were names and authors and even publishers of Christian works where you could say, if they've published it, you're good. It's going to be solid. But we, I don't think we can quite do that anymore. Again, remember, these false teachings are subtle. Uh, there's lots of stuff out there today. They sound good. Uh, maybe they stress our comfort or our rights. In other words, it's more man-centered. Uh, watch out for those. Watch out for those false teachings. False teachers believe what they are teaching. 
even if you don't fish, you understand that a fishing lure looks good to a fish. That's why they call it a lure. It attracts them. But hidden in there is a hook that will kill you. Watch out for stuff like that. If it looks good, be careful. Let's spend some time in, uh, in prayer today, out loud, uh, here in our room, in our group. If you don't want to pray out loud, as always, you don't have to. But please pray quietly with us. Uh, but just a few things that we could, we've learned from this chapter. First of all, let's thank God for his word and the Holy Spirit. Imagine how hard it would be for us to know what the truth is if we haven't had this handed down to us from, from thousands of years ago. Help us then to discern issues of, maybe there's things you're aware of that you want us to, to study and to, and to look at and be discerning. Uh, and then pray that we'll never stop learning. We'll never exhaust. We won't be like those sixth grade ba- baseball players, but always says, I always have more to read and to study. I always like my uh, old professor, Dr. Uh, Mitchell, who taught Romans for 50 years. And he read it in Greek 50 times every year to prepare. And he says, I always learn something new. It is deep. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing down to the division of soul and spirit. It speaks to us today through his Holy Spirit. Let's spend some time and remember to praise God for giving us his word, first of all. I'll close this in a little bit. God, you have communicated to your people. Uh, and what a, um, what a blessing. There, there are things in here I don't quite understand, but Lord, there are, there are words of life. As the, as the disciples said to Jesus when so many people were leaving him, they said, where are we going to go? You have words of life. And it's from that we know the message of the gospel, from the word we know of Jesus, from the word we know God's ultimate plan, and from the word we know that Jesus is coming back. And so, Lord, we are um, ever mindful of how important it is to take our bearing. And we, I just am thankful, so thankful for it. Lord, help us to be discerning. Help us to look and, and evaluate all the many different messages that are coming through um, coming through all different sources, social media, entertainment, uh, even things that look good on the surface, uh, books and radio and all these things, Lord, where we're just filling our minds full of information, Lord, that we are discerning. And we pray, Lord, also that we'll never stop learning, never think we've, we've gotten all we can learn uh, by, um, uh, by, by studying and looking and reading your word. In your name, amen. A few announcements for you today. Um, end of summer, uh, and just to, to be, I don't have exact numbers for you or anything today, but just to let you know, our, and it happens every summer, it happens to every church, is that the giving kind of goes down a little bit. Uh, and yes, there is the practical aspect that we, you know, we have bills to pay, but want you to see this. Remember when it comes to our offering is that our mission is to help people far from God discover life in Christ. That's really ultimately 
why we contribute our time and our energy and even our funds to that. We, we started back in COVID and we just kind of never changed it, but we, um, we don't pass a plate or a basket anymore. Uh, we just ask you to use that box back there by the phony fig tree. Uh, and uh, that will, uh, and also online, that's also possible as well. So I just wanted to remind you that. I mean, that, when I think that my uh, funds can go to something that amazing and eternal, that's encouraging. Um, we are in the series, we're calling it the God's Household. Well, the kids of our house have invited us all to join them for a lunch next Sunday. And so, um, but we got to bring the food. So bring, bring a dish to share uh, and uh, we'll, we'll join them. There's some things they're going to be doing, uh, including throwing water balloons at me. Um, but uh, that'll be next week. So uh, please do that and we'll enjoy that time together after our church gathering. Tomorrow, uh, as many of you know, and if, thank you, all, first of all, those all you signed up to help or you brought things in for the teacher luncheon. At the high school tomorrow, we're having a baked potato bar, and so they're going to be able to load a baked potato up with everything uh, that they want for that. Uh, we have help there. Uh, we we're pretty, if, if you sign up for something and forgot, please tell me, and we'll, we'll take care of it. We just need to know. So just let us know and be praying for that tomorrow. It'll be at 11 o'clock. Um, and then, mentioned experiencing God. And on September 10th, uh, we're not doing 40 days. We're doing like 120 days. Uh, it's actually three months. We're going to take a quarter of a year. And this is, this is getting down to brass tacks of, of what it means to follow Christ and to worship the Lord. You can see that this is their main diagram. Uh, it starts with God, and that's what we're going to start with on the 10th, uh, and a relationship with him. And then he invites us to be part of what he's doing. Uh, he's, he speaks and says, I'm challenging you in this way. And then we have a crisis say, am I willing to do that? And, we, and for, hopefully we adjust and then we experience what he is doing. It's knowing and doing, as it says, the will of God. Um, give you an example, and I got a no amount of time. If you told me I have to go out right now and run a, a marathon, I'd die in a couple miles at the most. That would be, would be too much for me. It, on the other hand, if you said go out and, and hike five miles, I could do that. What would be a stretch for me, but, but it may be in the realm of doable, is hiking 12 miles. I think I could do it, but I'd, it'd be a push. When it comes to experiencing God, I'm, we're asking you don't pick the marathon if you're not there. Don't pick the easy goal if it's easy. Find something where you think God will stretch your heart and mind. There's lots of different ways. If you say, you know what, for the whole 12 weeks, from September 10th all the way to just before Thanksgiving, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. And, that, and that's, your, that's your stretch? Excellent. You could also and encourage you to be part of a small group. We have uh, the guys are meeting on Sunday mornings. The ladies are meeting uh, uh, at life group on Wednesdays. Um, and then we have another life group, which is for men and women on Tuesday night. But we're adding two more, and we'll have signups probably next week, just so we know 
people are coming. Uh, Thursday night at 6.30 and Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And so we're, we're making all these available. That's how important we feel it is. If that's your stretch, by all means. There's a, this is the workbook. Um, there's also just a book, a book you can read. If maybe say, well, I'll just, I just want to read the book. Again, that is great if that's your stretching point. Um, the books, this workbook's about 20 bucks. There are five lessons per week and verse memory cards. Where are you? All we're saying and encouraging is, is do something that will stretch out. Um, if you wanted to get this workbook, you go ahead, you can find it on Amazon or lifeway.com, lifeway.com, um, and order it. In fact, we encourage you, if you can, to do that. I'm going to have about 10 copies here next Sunday, uh, primarily because I know not everyone's online. Um, but uh, September 10th is when we actually start the, the messages. They're working it downstairs. We got stuff for the, uh, our students, junior high and high school students, to do as well. So um, again, you want to talk about truth and getting grounded, this is grounding. So I encourage you to find that point where God's going to stretch you. Let's